Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by their good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guests Bob Levy. He's an author, constitutional scholar, and chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. It is September the 14th, and on this day in 1901, U.S. President William McKinley died after being shot by a deranged anarchist during the Pan-American Exposition in Buffalo, New York. McKinley won his first congressional seat at the age of 34 and spent 14 years in the House, becoming known as the leading Republican expert on tariffs. After losing his seat in 1890, McKinley served two terms as governor of Ohio. By 1896, he'd emerged as the leading Republican candidate for president, aided by the support of the wealthy Ohio industrialist Mark Hanna. That fall, McKinley defeated his Democrat rival, William Jennings Bryan, remember Cross the Gold, by the largest popular margin since the Civil War. As president, McKinley became known controversially as a protector of big business, which enjoyed unprecedented growth during his administration. He advocated the protective tariff as a way of shielding U.S. business and labor from foreign competition, and he successfully argued for using the gold standard of currency. Above all, however, McKinley's presidency was dominated by his foreign policy. In April 1898, he was pushed by Congress and American public uh, opinion to intervene in Cuba's struggle for independence from Spanish colonial rule. The United States handily defeated Spain in just three months, freeing Cuba, although the island became a U.S. protectorate and annexing Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Philippines. For the first time, the U.S. had become a colonialist power. America's growing interest in the Pacific led McKinley's administration to greatly increase its involvement in Asian politics. In 1900, McKinley sent thousands of U.S. troops to China to help put out down the Boxer Rebellion, aimed at driving out foreigners. His aggressive open-door policy declared U.S. support for the independent China and argued that all nations with commercial interests in China should be able to compete on equal footing. The popular McKinney won a second term by even greater margins over Bryan, who attacked him on his imperialism in the Pacific and domestically on the growth of illegal monopolies or trusts. There was little time to see what his second term would bring, however. On September the 6th, while standing in a receiving line at the Pan-American Exposition of Buffalo, McKinley was approached by this uh, Polish-American anarchist carrying a concealed 32 revolver in a handkerchief, drawing his weapon, uh, this anarchist shot McKinley twice at close range. One bullet deflected off a suit button, but the other entered his stomach, passing through the kidneys and lodged in his back. When he was operated on, doctors failed to find the bullet, and gangrene soon spread out through his body. McKinley died eight days later. The uh, murderer uh, convict was convicted and executed soon after for the shooting. William McKinley, certainly one of the great uh, politicians and statesmen of uh, the 20, early 20th century, lost early in his life. Well, the U.S. annual inflation rate came in at a 8.3% in August, 
higher than the market forecast of 8.1%, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. This is slightly down from the 8.5% rating in July. The core inflation rate, which strips the volatile food and energy sectors, also advanced to 6.3% last month. This was also higher than the market expectation of 6.1%, up from 5.9% in July. On a monthly basis, the consumer price index rose 0.1%, while the core CPI surged 0.6%. Food and shelter costs contributed to the inflation numbers as they increased by 11.4% and 6.2% respectively year over year. The energy index eased to 23.8%. New vehicles surged 10.1%. Used cars and trucks jumped 7.8%. And apparel edged up 5.1%. Transportation services soared 11.3% and medical care services swelled 5.6%. Within the food index, most items were up or both a year-over-year and month-over-month basis. Bread prices rose 16.2% for the same time a year ago. Milk soared 17%. Eggs, 39.8%. And fruit and vegetables surged 9.4%. Oh, it's tough being a consumer these days. The Bureau of Labor Statistics data further showed that meat was mostly up mostly across the board, with uncooked ground beef up 7.8%, chicken 16.6%, ham rising 9.2%, and pork surging 6.8%. Those are big numbers. On a positive note, airline fares were up about 33% year-over-year, fell by 4.6% in August. On the energy front, prices also eased considerably from July to August. Fuel oil slipped 5.9% and gasoline declined 10.6%. However, electricity prices added 1.5%. U.S. stocks got creamed yesterday in reaction to the hot inflation report. The Dow Jones Industrial Average and S&P 500 were down about 4% at the end of trading on September, uh, yesterday, while NASDAQ was down about 5%. The Fed's expected to continue tightening cycle by increasing interest rates, the Fed rate, by three uh, quarters of a percent. By the way, yesterday, uh, Biden held a celebration for the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act amid a record inflation. You just can't make this stuff up. Well, American pessimism about U.S. business sector has hit its worst level since 2008 amid historically high inflation. This according to a Gallup poll. The new poll found that only 36% of Americans have positive view of the business sector, down from 45% before the onset of the pandemic. Gallup has also been asking Americans since 2001 to rate 25 different business industries on a five-point scale, ranging from very positive to very negative. The all-time low for the poll was 34% in 2008 during the Great Recession, and of course this one came in at 36%, pretty close. <clears throat> having a more positive view of the federal government, the movie industry, the, by the way, the Democrats have a more positive view of the uh, federal government, the movie industry, education and public industries, publishing industries, and the television and radio industry compared with Republicans. Who would have guessed, huh? <laughs> of course, they like big government. Well, former White House communications staff Caroline Levitt won a hard-fought primary in New Hampshire's 1st District on Tuesday for the right to take on one of the most vulnerable Democrats in the House of Representatives. Um, she is a rock star. She's just terrific. And just such a, she's a, what is she, 24 years of age? With 46% of the votes counted, Levitt received 33% support, while her chief opponent, Matt Mowers, garnered 26%. Mowers was the nominee in the district in 2020, losing to Democrat Representative Chris Pappas by five points. 
Levitt served as deputy press secretary in the Trump administration before working as communications director for Republican New York uh, Representative Elise Stefanik. She declared for the race in July at age 23 and would be the youngest woman ever elected to Congress in the history if she wins in November. She garnered endorsements from Stefanik, uh, Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, uh, Jim Jordan, although Pappas defeated Mowers in 2020, redistricting and they ensured that the first district remained a toss-up and swings one point towards the GOP, according to the 538. Incumbent uh, Governor Chris Sununu handily won the GOP primary in New Hampshire, and Don Bolduc won the GOP. Well, I should say I think he won. He had a, a winning by a, small, a large margin, but it hasn't been officially declared yet. But he could be the Senate candidate uh, for the GOP in November in New Hampshire. Quite a guy, too. Also, both of these candidates uh, endorsed by President Donald Trump. Some people are starting to think that the Florida uh, Democrat Chris Charlie Crist is trying to lose his race for governor. In a little new segment of uh, Good Morning America back in May, Chris said that he, would vaccine, he thinks vaccine passports are a good idea for Florida. Here's a quote. We should have vaccine passports. I think that's important. I met with some of the cruise line industry CEOs, and that's what they told me is they don't want to have a ship go out, you know. And when we have three ports, they really have an awful lot of cruise line industry, business jobs, etc. I mean, you know, if you talk about having 98% uh, and you have 2% on the ship that are not vaccinated, you could suffer an outbreak. It would decimate the industry if it were to happen. I don't know why the governor doesn't believe in safety first, you know. I don't get it. I really don't. And that's why I'm running against him. Now, first of all, there are cruise ships that have been 100% vaccinated, 100% uh, secure that they don't have COVID on board. and They come back with a ship full of people with COVID. So uh, uh, the cruise industry has loosened up on these requirements. I mean, is he trying to lose? It almost seems like he's a plant for the DeSantis uh, team to record a, a victory for DeSantis. His, these views are so unpopular, so foolish, I, I think, that uh, I don't see how he has a prayer for becoming governor in the state of Florida, especially running against DeSantis. Just a quick reminder, uh, Sizzle Dining, it's going on right now, uh, running through the 28th of September, and this is a fixed-price menu for several restaurants throughout uh, Lee County and Collier County. Great chance to, chance to try new restaurants. They're putting their best foot forward, having a great menu at a reduced price. And, of course, this brings them new business, and it also uh, is a great deal for you. Check out, you can see the menus as well as the pricing at sizzledining.com, sizzledining.com. Well, following a failed appeal, Ohio's Oberlin College is finally set to pay $36.6 million in damages that the courts have awarded to a local bakery in a defamation case. In a September 9th statement, Oberlin announced that it had initiated payments to Gibson Bakery, a 137-year-old fifth-generation family business that was wrongfully accused of racial profiling after a shoplifting incident involving black students. In April, an Ohio appeals court upheld a jury finding that the college, in its handling of student protests over 2016 incident, committed libel, slander, and interference with business relationships against the bakery. 
On August the 30th, Ohio Supreme Court decided not to hear Oberlin's final appeal, bringing an end to the long-running legal battle. Now, why am I covering this story? Well, because the wheels of justice grind slow, but they grind fine. And finally, Gibson's Bakery is getting justice. This was just an atrocious... It's been carried on for how many years? A long time. And it's a uh, it's 2016 incident that this occurred, and now it's being resolved in Gibson's Bakery's favor. But it was the college... I mean, the kids, uh, the students, black students, admitted they were uh, stealing. They didn't. They said there was no uh, racial profiling going on. But for some reason, the officials at Oberlin College decided to make it a big deal and began to uh, protest against and uh, uh, defile uh, the bakery. Well, the bakery won. Justice wins out overall, and this is a, a great thing. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us in the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best, now building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. He's an author, he's a constitutional scholar, and chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted to private property, free markets, securing individual rights, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you, Bob. Terrific organization. I hope you check out the website. So we've been talking about the Supreme Court's last term and uh, some of the cases covering. We finished up on uh, ending the discussion about abortion. Uh, critics say that uh, Justice Thomas might deny other rights like a contraception. Are they right? Well, Thomas wrote this concurrence in the abortion opinion, the Dobbs case, and he argued for reconsidering these other precedents, including uh, contraceptives and, and, uh, and the like, because he said that those precedents relied on a failed legal doctrine which is called substantive due process. And frankly, he and a lot of other legal scholars uh, believe that that doctrine is an incoherent doctrine. Instead, Thomas would use what's called the Privileges or Immunities Clause, a different provision of the 14th Amendment. And that's something that we at Cato have been advocating uh, for decades. Hmm. So Thomas did not suggest that the right, for example, to contraception itself had no constitutional foundation. What he suggested was that the underlying cases that secured the right uh, should be overturned because they were based on the wrong foundation, substantive due process, rather than privileges or immunities. So, you know, this is an arcane legal discussion. It is not the equivalent of saying that he would overturn the right to contraceptive. Hmm. That's something the media just made up. Never happens, huh? So can, can a state criminalize speech that facilitates an abortion? Well, South Carolina has proposed legislation that makes it illegal to aid, abet, or conspire <clears throat> with somebody to obtain an abortion. Uh, the bill outlaws providing information over the Internet or the phone or even hosting a website. Well, we, we do have the First Amendment. We also have Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which shields uh, websites, but maybe not individuals who aid and abet mm -hmm. a criminal procedure, and it is criminal in some, in some states. So it, it is the information part of a criminal act is that what's involved, or is it protected speech under the Fourteenth Amendment? It's uh, under the First Amendment. Sorry, it's not quite clear. Uh, in 1969, a case called Brandenburg v. Ohio, the Supreme Court protected the advocacy of law violation, except where it's directed at citing or producing imminent lawless action, and we had that come up in the inquiries over January 6th. 
But 28 years later, there was a case called the Hitman case, and it was ultimately settled. But the Court of Appeals held that publishers of a, publishers of a manual for contract killers, you know, how to go about contract killing, were civilly liable, not criminally, but hmm. civilly liable because it aided and abetted a triple contract murder in that case. So the law is unsettled. That is so interesting. So uh, let's switch to the upcoming term, the October 22 term. What is the, this big affirmative action case? Maybe you could tell us about it. This is Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard. And also there's a consolidated case at the University of North Carolina. <clears throat> and this is whether the court should overrule its previous affirmative action case, Grutter v. Bollinger, which, which uh, <clears throat> if the court did so, it would hold that institutions of higher education cannot use race as a factor in admissions. The Grutter case said that they could use it. The reason Harvard's involved in this, by the way, even though it's a private institution, is because they received federal funding. So the background, it goes like this. The, the key case way back in the 1970s was the Bakke case. Mm -hmm. Four justices said race can't be used. Four said it could be used. Then Powell, Justice Powell, wrote a concurring opinion. He said it's okay to use it as part of a holistic scheme, but you couldn't have racial set-asides. So Bakke won that case based on Powell's uh, concurring opinion. Then came U University of Texas, which said that <clears throat> you cannot use race for diversity not as a, because race was not a compelling interest. So the university went ahead and they adopted a policy that said, we're going to automatically admit the top 10% of each high school. Of course, this was presumably race neutral, but it really wasn't because the top 10% of inner city schools produced students that were less well prepared than the top 10% of mm -hmm. suburban schools. Then came the Grutter case, University of Michigan Law School. Diversity is okay as a compelling interest. You could use race, and so the University of Texas revised their system and added race. That was challenged in Fisher in 2013, and the court said that <clears throat> the circuit court, the lower court, had to use strict scrutiny and look more rigorously at this. The circuit court did so and said it's still okay to use race, and the Supreme Court upheld that until this new case came along at Harvard with the Asian students. That's what's pending, and it's going to be a big one. Yeah, I mean, the Asians, basically, it's it's, rever it's dis <laughs> reverse discrimination in a sense because uh, they are being discriminated against because they're more qualified uh, applying to uh, Harvard. So uh, this it will be... Precisely right. I would yep. love to see uh, the affirmative action thing thrown out altogether. Is there a chance of that? I, I think, frankly, we can count on it. Wow. So the liberal media seems concerned about an election law case. What's that about? Well, that's another big case. This is about partisan gerrymandering, Moore versus Harper. It's whether or not state legislatures can adopt voting rules in federal elections without being reviewed by state courts. This is called the independent state legislature doctrine. You remember back Bush versus Gore, Rehnquist in that case wrote a concurrence that said, 
that the Article Two of the U.S. Constitution gave the state legislatures plenary power over the time, place, and manner of congressional elections without review by state courts. Hmm. <clears throat> Only Scalia and Thomas, however, joined Rehnquist in that decision. So in this Moore case, uh, North Carolina Republicans want to reinstate a voting map that was struck down by the state Supreme Court because, said the court, there was partisan gerrymandering uh, involved. If this is reinstated, this map, then it would establish that court challenges to partisan gerrymandering would be rejected. That is, the legislature has sole power, not the courts. And that would be the same for challenges to other voting and election-related state laws. So another big case for next term. And what's your thought about that? My, <clears throat> my thought is that the states ordinarily have their legislative decisions reviewed by the courts, and I see no reason why that process uh, should be rejected merely because the U.S. Constitution said that the state legislature has first crack yeah, at this rule. I agree with that. So is there anything else of major importance during the 22, uh, October 22 uh, term? Well, we have another <clears throat> delegation issue, you know, with these administrative agencies, and that's Sackett versus EPA, uh, whether the Ninth Circuit, the lower court, set forth the proper test for determining if wetlands, and in that case it was really just a puddle of water, whether wetlands are waters of the United States under the Clean Water Act. This will be another test of this principle that was established last term that says on major questions, the Congress has to be really clear if they want to delegate uh, power. We also have a free speech case coming up, and that's a replay of this masterpiece cake shop case. And in this new case, it's whether a Colorado designer can tell same-sex couples that she will not create a website uh, for their wedding. Mm. It was unresolved in the cake shop case. So interesting. Again, Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. I hope you check out the website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Bob, really appreciate your show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Jopp, a professor and author of Josepha Savaz. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you that Lulubee's Diner is featuring a 20% discount on their entrees. It's a way of respecting first responders or anyone else wearing red, white, and blue uh, up through tomorrow. As they say, it's our way of honoring the, the, the day of, of course, 9-11 in our community and our first responders. So uh, Lulubee's Diner, great place to have breakfast or lunch uh, right there in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy, and I look forward to see you tomorrow at Lulubee's. Uh, tomorrow or Friday? Boy, that's right. I skipped a day. It is Friday. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought it up, Bob. You know? Yeah. Because you remember, I always forget my wallet. <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to talk to you about that later. So, <laughs> Andy, uh, we, we usually start off with some good news, and I'll suggest some good news uh, in New Hampshire in the primaries yesterday. Well, as we talked uh, uh, offline, <clears throat> the numbers were the most impressive thing to me. The, uh, the total number of Republican turnouts for, to vote was substantially, substantially beyond the, uh, the Democrat. I think the, the numbers were, uh, I'm, this is a, a close guess, but 128,000 for the Republicans and like 75,000 for the Democrats. The, huh. Those numbers are very indicative of, of two things. First of all, the enthusiasm of the Republican uh, turnout and the uh, the non-enthusiasm of the of the left at this point, Bob. That is so interesting. Uh, there's also a, a, a primary, I should say, in New in uh, Rhode Island. I didn't recognize any of the candidates or the significance of them, so I just passed it by. But any thoughts on that? Well, you know, you went to Brown University up there in Rhode Island, so you know the problem. Rhode Island is uh, <laughs> is somewhat uh, outside the border of the United States for most political issues. Bob. There, you good point. Any other good news, Andy? Well, let me talk about the good news uh, from a Babylon B point of view, Bob. The, the good news is the border is secure, Bob. The border is secure. Uh, Kamala Harris has told us that. Uh, the presidential press secretary said no one is walking across the border, yeah. uh, ignoring, obviously, the 500,000 minimum that we know about that have come across so far this year. Uh, also, the economy is booming, Bob, absolutely booming. Of course, ignoring the 8.3 uh, recent in inflation level, which has resulted, apparently, in a 1,200-point drop in the, uh, in the Dow. So, uh, you know, if you're a Democrat, you live in this la-la land of, of make-believe, uh, but in reality, certainly those, those are not things that are going on. The border is wide open. Uh, fentanyl is flowing in uh, almost without 
uh, without major limitations, uh, and the economy is, is, is experiencing major trouble uh, for the average person, Bob. You know, Andy, you had mentioned 500,000 across the border this year, and I've heard numbers since the beginning of the Biden presidency as high as 4.9 million. The numbers about that are all over the place, but irrespective, it is high and higher than it's ever been in the history of the United States. Well, that's why I went with 500,000, because that is the lowest accepted number. I, I didn't want to overstate it, but right. 500,000 is a, is a dramatic number. This year now, you're, you're, if you go back to the start of the Biden administration, I've, again, I've heard numbers also of perhaps as many as, as 4 million. So this is an ongoing major problem. There's, there's absolutely no, uh, no uh, reason within the, the, uh, to produce the quality of American life that these things will be going on. It's impossible to understand why this is an ongoing phenomenon. My first public outing, so to speak, in Naples was a presentation I made on immigration back in 2009. This was when Jan Brewer, the governor of Arizona, was trying to enforce uh, federal immigration laws. And of course, Obama's administration stopped her from doing that. And so this is going to be an ongoing assault on the, uh, the, the, the laws of this nation and on those who are willing and able to enforce them. So uh, I, I can't understand the process uh, as it exists right now. Bob. And it's a national security issue because uh, the reports are these people are coming from over 175 different countries all over the world, and of course, you can imagine that uh, we've those that have motivations to hurt us, the uh, Al Qaeda and the and the like, uh, you know. And uh, our borders are not secure. We're, they're not providing us the number one thing we need, which is our security and uh, law enforcement. Well, I think that's that's uh, I think obviously true. I don't want to diminish what you said, but when I say obvious, but it's I, I think it is obviously true that this is happening. Uh, I believe that the only reason that we're not hit with a major terrorist attack is it does not serve their purpose. Let, let us turn the word terrorist into what it should have been. In post nine eleven, we we just uh, eliminated the phrase Islamic Jihad. Uh, but I think what we're looking at in terms of the major implications for terrorist attacks will be Islamic Jihad. And as I just indicated, I think the only reason they haven't hit us hard is because it hasn't served their, their purpose at this moment, Bob. I think that's absolutely right. So, Andy, what's on your mind today? Well, geez, <laughs> I've got a lot. So let me try to hit enough issues uh, so I can uh, sort of get it out of my system. Uh, first of all, it was a, a good piece of news, actually. This is true news. Uh, New Zealand has reversed its COVID policies. Now, New Zealand had been the most uh, stringent in terms of their, their lockdowns on, on COVID, masks and closing down business and uh, uh, quarantining and so forth. But uh, even New Zealand at this point has totally reversed all of their of their covid policies at this point perhaps the only major nation that is still adhering to absolutely purposeless covid policies is the united states of america and because of that i mean it has to be understood that this is a political process and i think one that will gain a growing intensity as we approach the uh, the midterms so I, I think that you'll see this in the, in the latter part of this month uh, going into October, uh, we'll, where you'll see the uh, the absolute need expressed for all of these extended voting uh, allowances uh, that do only one thing, Bob, and that's to create uh, voting irregularities, uh, uh, voting fraud. Let me be more honest about what I'm saying, Bob. Absolutely. 
So true. I mean, and so much information is coming out now. Double-blind studies uh, indicating that hydroxychloroquine, 92% effective against it, and it could have prevented so many deaths. We've been lied to so much, all for political purposes, weaponizing the CDC, uh, the FDA. Uh, <laughs> it's all, it is just terribly a shame. And it'll be hard for those organizations to get the credibility. I don't know how they can do it. Um, I think if we use the phrase involuntary manslaughter, at least as it pertains to the suppression of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, I don't think that's overstating the case. When a therapeutic is intentionally withheld for political purposes, knowing that that therapeutic can save lives, I don't know how else to describe it, but involuntary manslaughter, Bob. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Andy, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? I'll, I'll be here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, among other things, doing great things, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And the website is thefga.org, thefga.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. You know, Andy, uh, we were reflecting a little bit about the elections, but my interpretation, my mental map about this is that, uh, again, two more candidates, uh, Trump-backed candidates, one up in New Hampshire, 
And uh, what I'm seeing is a slowly but surely elimination of the rhinos in the Republican Party and creating a party, the Republican Party, committed to making America great again. What are your thoughts? Well, I think with that in mind, I think we can see Mitch McConnell, and in my estimation now, this this is not documented stuff, Bob, but uh, I think he's trying to diminish the chances of the uh, of the Trump-supported candidates for the Senate uh, with the intent of if they lose or when they lose in terms of McConnell's viewpoint, he'll be able to to claim that Trump is toxic. Uh, I think that uh, McConnell is, has no concern at all with taking the Senate. I don't think he, he's concerned with the, uh, the Senate candidates, the Republican Senate candidates winning. I think his only concern is diminishing Donald Trump and, and uh, proving, uh, using the word advisedly, uh, that Trump is a, is a toxic person for the Republican Party. Uh, that is a dangerous element that we see going on. The, the way these rhinos are doing uh, that kind of damage, not just to Donald Trump, but to this country as a result of their, their antagonism to Donald Trump. If we look at what, what's going on right now, in my estimation, Bob, the two most important issues that I, I can name if I was asked to do that are, first of all, legal elections legal elections, Mm -hmm. and secondly, the election of Donald Trump for the presidency in 2024, presuming he chooses it. Uh, Now, I can't think of anything more important than than those two things. The the legal elections, which is in doubt, I mean, because there's nothing that's really seriously happened since 2020 to change the the process of the the voting mechanisms. Some, there have been some marginal changes, but nothing dramatic. Uh, So um, I, I have to be optimistic that legality will prevail. If so, I think we will take the House, and I think we will in all great likelihood take the Senate. If those things happen, and if Donald Trump wants to be, uh, be the nominee for the presidency and he wins that in 2024, I can't think of anything that's a louder statement to the left that everything they've done has failed. Every lie that they've used has been, and distortion they've used has been totally uh, falling on death. So I think the, there are so many things that would be uh, valuable uh, with a, a, tr- a Trump victory in a, in a legal process. Uh, when he was uh, in office, the, the stock market soared. Um, uh, southern border was secure, getting rebuilt, uh, the largest net exporter of energy. I mean, the, the list is, goes on and on in terms of the value derived. And, and as you know, I think I was Naples Constitutional Conservative of the Year in 2021. I only bring that up to highlight uh, for your listeners that I am very sensitive to constitutional issues and legal issues. As I would assess the Trump administration during the uh, 17 to, to uh, 2021 period, I cannot think of a president in my lifetime who more committed himself to staying within constitutional bounds and acting within law than did Donald Trump. Uh, now, again, I, am, I, I have antenna up all the time for violations of the Constitution, and in my estimation, Donald Trump uh, showed a complete adherence uh, to that document. Right now, if we weave in the, the cultural aspect, now, as you know, I've always said, and Breitbart said, that everything is downstream from culture, and that presumes legal elections. Everything is downstream if there's legal elections. Right now, if you look at the, the general support of the American people, uh, they, are, they are against transgenders in women's sports, 65%. Uh, they don't believe that white Americans are, are, are inherently racist, 64%. They believe that public education is failing, 80%. They believe that parents should be in the driver's seat concerning how their are, children are educated, 75%. 
all of these major issues are absolutely uh, outside the uh, the opposing views of, of the liberals. So in terms of who's winning the culture wars, Bob, I have to say that certainly the right in the right uh, being right is uh, is winning those those culture wars. So again, this this is the the reason I'm optimistic. The reason I'm optimistic is because we have a man like like Trump who is willing to fight for this country. Uh, we have the the culture of the American people responding to the positions taken by the uh, by the right, the Republican Party. And again, getting back to my original points, all of this hinges on those two factors: legal elections and the re-election of Donald Trump in 2024. Those are the two things that can save America, Bob. Well, and I'll, I'll add to that also, uh, President Trump is the only president that I recall that's ever started out or made his his policy all about economic policy and uh, making America great again. That it really, everything... Uh, disseminates from that point of view. And when you get around uh, Republicans who are, for example, at rallies, at Trump rallies, they are excited and they're happy, enthusiastic, because they want to be part of making America great again. Because they benefit. They actually see the benefits in terms of their pay, inflation, all the things that you that uh, you can imagine that we've, the Democrats have been great. How could any America American not want America to be great again? I can't, I can't understand it, but again, that, that question has been asked a, a, a thousand times without any real answer. How do people who personally will damage themselves, damage their families, uh, support issues that will do exactly that? And uh, it's, it's not understandable, but again, if we look at the, uh, the true believer uh, work of, of Eric Hoffer, uh, he lays out exactly how this type of fanaticism pushes aside all of those issues and makes the ideology the only point of focus for people that are that dedicated and not fanatical. So I think we're seeing that right now, right now in America. There was an interesting uh, point made by the presidential uh, press secretary uh, when she said the other day, Bob, that if you disagree with the majority of Americans on any issue, you're an extremist. Uh, amazingly, Bob, she said that, because uh, with uh, Biden's approval ratings being around 35 percent, which means that uh, the, the majority think that he's not doing a good job. He's the, the numbers I just cited in terms of the uh, the, the cultural uh, response to major issues, uh, her position that you're an extremist if you are outside the majority viewpoint, which is absurd on its face, by the way, Bob. Of course. Uh, but again, all of the majority viewpoints on the major issues favor the Republicans, favor favor the positions they're taking on all of these major issues, Bob. Absolutely. So, uh, of course, at 30 uh Biden and his followers, extremists. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and by the way, they are. Yeah. So in, in that sense, in that sense, they are. And she's right. So, uh, look, it's, this is a good point uh, to take another break. Uh, Andy, can you stick around? I'll be here. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 
1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, uh, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. We continue the conversation with Professor Andrew Joppin. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. You know, Andy, uh, the FBI stopped by to... Uh, Mike Lindell and said, "Hey, we want your phone." <laughs> what's go- what's going on right now is just uh, it's making the Gestapo and the secret police uh, look like uh, they're they're good law enforcement officers. This it's just amazing how weaponized the FBI has become. I mean, there's no doubt this is so blatantly being done in the open at this point. It's it's that openness that that worries me. In other words, they're no longer really concerned about the perception uh, that the public has. They It's very similar. And the reason we so often cite Nazi Germany is it's available as a prototypical model of exactly what happens. Uh, just watch the documentary, which was the SS, a barbaric state, a state within a state. And if we look at what's happening in America, it exactly parallels that that activity in Nazi Germany that led to their total dictatorship over that country uh, and their aggressiveness externally. Uh, with the SS, they took control of the Gestapo, the state police. They also harnessed the activities of the SD. That was the state intelligence agency. They destroyed Hitler's uh, opposition, who was Rome, the head of the SA, the brown shirts. Uh, and that, that SS, which grew into uh, a major military force in the Waffen-SS, was actually what Nazi Germany and all the horrors was about. So if we're looking at the United States right now, with the Department of Justice, with the DOJ just having issued 40 more subpoenas uh, to Trump associates, with what you alluded to, the seizure of, of Mike Lindell's phone, but they didn't do it in a, uh, in, a, in, a, in a private setting. They intercepted Mike Lindell at a Hardee's. I mean, this is their, their constant uh, modus operandi. They, uh, they want to publicly embarrass these, uh, these Trump supporters. Uh, this aggressiveness, and it goes deep into 
into the FBI, into the DOJ, and into the intelligence agencies. We have what I can say is nearly an exact replication of exactly the model that was used in Nazi Germany to totally take over the entirety of every function within the, within the German state, Bob. This is an ominous potential, and I, I, again, I don't want to overstate it, but I don't think I am. No. If we're looking at these actions at Mar-a-Lago, uh, the, the pushing back against the allowance of a master to review the documents seized, why would they push back against that unless they're trying to protect information that they seized, perhaps information on Obama, perhaps information on the Clintons, uh, perhaps information on Biden, both Bidens, all Bidens. Uh, so, again, there has to be a reason why the DOJ would push back so hard in the resistance of a master to review the information taken at Mar-a-Lago. This is a very dangerous uh, process we're looking at. Uh, if it's not uh, in some way suppressed, uh, its destination is exactly the one that I, I laid out that took place in Nazi Germany. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And the fact of the matter is they've got so much to cover up, so much to lose if, in fact, this election goes the way that it probably should. And if, in fact, these investigations begin under a Republican uh, Congress, I think you're going to there's going to be a lot of information revealed that's going to be very damning uh, to these agencies and to this administration for sure. By the way, did you know that when they stopped Mike Lindell and took his phone, they said, "Please don't don't tell anybody about this." <laughs> I mean, I, I I think there has to be within some uh, agents of the FBI a certain amount of embarrassment for the, for what they're asked to do. Uh, you know, I, I I've always. Uh, resented the enthusiasm they they seemed to show when they showed up at Roger Stone's house, for example. Yeah. It didn't seem to be something that they were doing against their uh, their their better judgment. It seemed to be a, a real enthusiasm for the process of a six o'clock in the morning a SWAT raid on these on these home of uh, Trump supporters. Uh, the uh, the uh, handcuffing and Navarro at the airport, uh, just outrageous activities. And we we still have this uh, unknown number of people as a result of January sixth being held uh, incognito uh, in prisons in in Washington D.C. without charge. Uh, without even any uh, projected process that would get them out of jail without any charges being being launched. Absolutely unconstitutionally uh, unconstitutional and illegal, Bob. By the way, uh, the President uh, Trump, uh, actually, there were uh, people who are supporting those nine uh, January 6th prisoners who've been in jail now for, what, a couple of years or a, lo a long time, no, about a year, and uh, without, without uh, in many cases, char charges being filed. So there were supporters there in front of the jailhouse, and Trump got on uh, the phone and uh, supported those people in a speech that you know, they broadcasted while, uh, while, they were while this was going on. Just really admire the president for doing that. Hey, Andy, and, well, I mean, Donald Trump doesn't doesn't uh, mind being right. I mean, obviously, obviously. Yeah. But in America, a lot of people do mind being right because it gets them into trouble with the the media, with the other the other party. Donald Trump just is concerned with doing the right thing. That's right. Understanding the the nature of America and where America has to get to to be back to where it should be. So, uh, and look, I, I I love Ron DeSantis. If we can judge by Charlie Crist, the next governor of Florida will either be Jesus, who will be Charlie Crist, or Satan, who is DeSantis. I mean, the, the, the amazing uh, boldness of Charlie Crist to, to make that kind of statement is just is absolutely amazing. Buddy. Well, I, I, he, I, I know he... I, I think he knows he's going to lose. He doesn't have a prayer, so he's taking these bold uh, uh, 
positions in order to garner favor with the president and perhaps get a cabinet position after the elections. We'll see. So we got just a little bit of time. Any thoughts on Ukraine? Well, in Ukraine at this point, I, you know, let me just say what I what I really feel. Um, I feel for the Ukrainian people. Obviously, they're, they're suffering enormously. Uh, this this conflict has to end. I don't care who wins it. Uh, I know that may sound uh, inappropriate, but I don't care who wins it. I just wanted I want it to end. I don't think that a, a win by Russia would seriously uh, negatively impact on the on the Ukrainian people. It would it would affect the uh, the government, but not the people. Uh, but in some way, the infrastructure has to be uh, stop being destroyed, uh, and we're on the the, the 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 brink of perhaps affecting the nuclear power plants in Ukraine, which uh, with one misplaced artillery shell could create havoc in that nuclear process. So right. uh, I just I just think this has to end before uh, before it becomes what many people have predicted uh, the chance for a larger a larger war. Bob. Yeah. Well, all the uh, infinite information right now indicates that uh, the Russians are losing, withdrawing, and uh, that is going to be very devastating for Putin. I don't think he can afford to lose. And uh, let, I don't... let me make my prediction about that: Russia will not lose. Uh huh. I just don't think they can. I don't think Putin can allow himself to lose. Now, if Putin is removed, and that has also been suggested that there's been some movement in that, but these things are dramatically overstated by the West media. So I don't know how significant a process that is. But if Putin stays in power, I just cannot imagine him allowing Russia to lose this conflict in Ukraine. Yeah, but you know what? Their, their soldiers are apparently throwing down their ammo and throwing down their guns and uh, running away. Uh, they're withdrawing from some of the places that have been uh, uh, captured. So all the evidence indicates that the Russians... Uh, they, well, the fact of the matter is probably the Russian army is not behind this. Uh, they, they have nothing to gain themselves in terms of... Uh, capturing this land in Ukraine, my guess is their hearts are just not in it. I mean, if, if, it, if it works out that Russia loses, that has, I have no problem with that, obviously. But if we look at Russia, Russia has been holding back in terms of some of the more uh, dramatic weapons of war, uh, large-scale aerial bombing of, of cities. That, that hasn't happened, and I'm not advocating, obviously. I'm just saying that Russia has a lot of more significant weaponry at their disposal if and when it is necessary. So uh, I certainly hope it doesn't reach that point, but I think we'll see an escalation of the weaponry used by Russia if they are reaching a point of the possibility of losing, Bob. Andrew Dapp, again, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. A great read. I just encourage you to, it's off topic for today's discussion, but it's a great read. Josephus of Oz by, by Andrew Joppa. Andy, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Let me mention that Aaron Judge hit Homer's numbers 56 and 57 last night at Fenway, Bob. Yes, I know. And uh, <laughs> we lost in 10 innings, unbelievably. But uh, congratulations to you, Andy. Thank you so much. Talk soon, Bob. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Tomorrow, we've got some great guests, including uh, Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is Director of Health Policy Study at the Cato Institute. We'll also visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of uh, uh, Less Government. And uh, Bill Barnett, Barnett, the former mayor of Naples, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, please tell your friends. That's one of the ways we grow the show organically and also support our advertisers. Without them, we couldn't do the show. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs>
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.